0: It's the Ranger Command
1: Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour, episode 95, Rangers discuss Phoenix Comic Con and convention safety. Recorded on June 9th, 2017. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four Eyed Radio Network. Send Ranger up with your host, I'm Eric also known as Trekkie B-47. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash rangercommandph. There are over 150,000 tiles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player.
0: Armed to the teeth and set to kill no matter who got in his way. Tonight, chilling new details revealed about the carnage this valley man admits to plotting before his arrest at Phoenix Comic Con. Now, thousands are forced to wait hours to get through enhanced security measures after police admit he just slipped through an unlocked door. ABC 15's Chris Groh is digging deeper into Matthew Sterling's plan, and Chris, we have heard about him taking pictures of officers, but then you found out who he was really targeting. Yeah, an actor, and his name is Jason David Frank, and this is his autograph booth right here Behind me, you can see right there. He's known for playing the Green Power Ranger in the 90s children's show. Sterling told detectives he was there to kill Frank and even had a reminder on his phone. This is our first look at Matthew Sterling up close, a 31 year old suspect posing for his mugshot, a trace of black face paint barely visible. But this is how the man saw himself Thursday as the Marvel character, The Punisher, a violent vigilante ready for a gunfight. According to court paperwork, Sterling walked into the Phoenix Convention Center purposefully evading security, carrying a load of weapons similar to the Punisher.
2: He uh, was armed with a shotgun, three handguns, numerous rounds of ammunition, a
0: tactical knife. I'm told all of Sterling's guns were fully loaded. He spent the day taking pictures of cops and sending Facebook messages to a woman he met telling her he would shoot them always just going through my mind what if i didn't do anything what if people died she immediately took action calling police alerting them of what she was being showed and told after his arrest sterling told police he'd come to comic con to kill this man jason david frank frank played the green ranger in the power ranger show sterling claims he stabbed frank 15 years ago and wanted to quote finish the job So right now,
1: I am joined by the Four Eyed Radio Network owner, Eric Dewey. Hey, Eric, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so this is something we have not touched upon on the show yet, just because we had our bonus episode come out at the end of May, and this took place on Memorial Day weekend, which was Phoenix Comic-Con. And the big thing, Power Ranger News related for Phoenix Comic-Con, Jason David Frank was there, and there was an an attempted assassination on Jason David Frank through a suspect named Matthew Sterling, but the Phoenix police were able to arrest him, but apparently he came to the convention dressed as the Punisher and fully armed with actual weapons, and I guess he sneaked into a side door or something, and there was a, I guess, a music person or cosplayer famous person who was in contact with him and he was telling her all these things that he was going to do and she was the one that actually alerted the police. But, Eric, you were at Phoenix Comic Con that weekend, correct?
2: Yes, I was. Uh, in fact, I was there uh, when this all went down. I was not in that building. Uh, Phoenix Comic Con actually is spread out within the Phoenix Convention Center. Any of you who have ever been there know how sprawled it is, but for those of you who haven't, the main building, which they call the North Building, there's a South Building, which Phoenix Comic Con was not using this year, but they were using floors 1, 2, and 3 of the North Building. They were using the first and second floors of the West Building. And they were also using several floors of the Hyatt Hotel. That's where all the gaming programming was. Mm. So it spread out throughout downtown Phoenix. I was actually over in the west building at the time that this went down and this actually took place in the north building. So I was right across the street when all this happened, but I started sure. finding out about it from friends, you know, blowing me up on Facebook messages saying, "Oh my gosh, are, are you downtown right? You know, are you in are you there right now because this is what's happening?" And then I started finding out more and more about it. You
1: messaged so, me
2: about it and
1: I actually found out first through you. And I was like, "Holy crap, I can't believe this is going on."
2: yeah as soon as i found out what his intended target was uh because mm-hmm. you know news was coming in quick as far as what had happened you know a man had been arrested he had a, he had a real gun on him you know he was he was threatening police he was you know, doing this and then i heard he came there specifically to target jason david frank and i was like really you know who want to know about this <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what that's, that's what i messaged you to, to give you the heads up because i didn't know how quickly it would make i figured it would end up being national news yeah some, but i didn't know how quickly it would become national news so i wanted to give you a little heads up give you Maybe a little bit of uh, advance notice to, to pull some, some stuff together if you wanted to uh, do a story on it. It's actually even a little more terrifying than what you've heard, <laughs> to be quite honest. Uh, first of all, this, uh, this person came into the convention center with three loaded handguns, a loaded shotgun, two knives, throwing stars, pepper spray, and was wearing body armor. He was not per se dressed as the Punisher. He didn't actually have like the white skull sure on the outfit but he was dressed in you know tactical gear aka what the punisher might wear and his defense if you want to call it that when he was arrested was that he was the punisher and that he was on a mission why the punisher's mission would be to kill jason david frank i don't know (laughs) um but that would be an
1: epic crossover though
2: Yeah, I'm not not sure what that is. I understand uh, just from what I've heard, you know, I'm not a huge, huge into the nation there, but I I understand that he's a bit of a polarizing figure amongst the fans from what I've heard. Sure. I didn't think he was that polarizing (laughs) 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 to where somebody would want him dead. That seems a little extreme. But as far as how he got in, he walked right in the front door. He was a badged convention attendee. The security the first day was Mm. left. Security for Phoenix Comic Con has always been fairly lax. As far as they, they allow props for for costumes, including prop weapons. There are rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, no edged weapons. If you if you have a prop sword or something like that, it has to be foam or plastic or cardboard or wood or something like that. It can't be a metal sword, even a blunted one. It still has to be. It can't be metal. Any type of gun. Has to be completely inoperative toy of some sort and has to have the orange tip, either the full tip being orange or an orange plug. In the barrel. And uh, I mean, go so far as even if you want to use an airsoft gun as a prop for your costume, you have to pull the spring out of it. You have to actually permanently deactivate it. It's not enough for just to be unloaded. It has to be permanently deactivated. The way they police this mm-hmm. is there are tables set up called peace bonding tables. Yes. And what the peace bonders do is they inspect your prop, verify that it falls within the rules, and put a tag on it to indicate that they have done so. So that any other security person walking around, if they see you with your prop weapon... They can look and see the tag. If they don't see the tag, they are supposed to immediately direct you to a peace bonding table. (laughs) And in years past, it's been very, very easy to get this done because they've had these tables set up right at all of the main entrances, right Mm -hmm. there. You could not walk past them. If you walked right past them, they stopped you. Hey, I need to tag your thing. And if you walked in on the other doorway, just on the other side of them, they had security people there watching and saying, oh, hey, you need to have your thing tagged. Go to the table. This year, they only had one table set up that I saw, and it was set inside and away to the right of the main entrance where you had to come in that main entrance and then go way to the left for registration to get your badge. Mm. So it was very easy to go in, go, okay, I need to go over here, go get your badge come out of the registration area and go okay well now here's the escalators I can go upstairs to see more programming or I can go downstairs to the convention center floor to go shopping all without actually passing the peace bonding table so there were a lot of people walking around with props that had not been tagged with no malicious intent they just hadn't happened sure. to walk by the table yet now uh, this basically avoided the table specifically <laughs> yeah. but yeah he was in there and so the, the the way he was caught like you said he was messaging someone in California um, I'm not sure exactly the details about who that person was, but he was messaging her and she was receiving these messages saying, I think this guy's serious. So she called the police in her local area who notified Phoenix PD, who were already, from what I understand, kind of watching this guy because there had been several reports. Several other convention goers had seen him with at least one of his guns mm. and said, hmm, That's not tagged. That's realistic looking and it's not tagged. Somebody should do something. But I guess security was just. I don't know if they were just lazy or if they were just overworked the first day. They weren't prepared for the volume. Every year, Thursday gets bigger and bigger. Thursday used to just be called Preview Day right. for Phoenix Comic Con because they, they don't open the floor until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's only open from like 4 to 8 or something like that. and It's, it's a short day for the vendors. It gives them plenty of time. Yeah, they spend the morning – Loading in and setting up and all that stuff so that by 4 o'clock, people can come in. The first year I went, I've been going since 2012, was my first Phoenix Comic-Con.
1: Now, how long has Phoenix Comic-Con been going just as a convention?
2: uh, Phoenix Comic-Con started out as uh, Phoenix Cactus Con uh, way back in, I'd have to look it up to be 100% sure but i think it was in 2003 or 2004
1: so they've they've been doing this a while where security should be a fairly pat procedure at this point (laughs) it really
2: should be um yeah like i said security this year was particularly laughable in years past it's been fairly lax Mm -hmm. but within reason as far as like uh, a couple of years ago they were doing random bag checks Where, uh, you know, people coming through doors, if they had a backpack or some sort of bag or something like that, they would randomly ask to check the bag. It wasn't a every single bag had to be checked every single time situation. Sure. Uh, I was there all four days of the convention. I had my laptop bag with me that year because I was doing panels. So I I was going in and out of the convention center with my bag all four days, and I did have my bag checked once. Mm Mm-hmm. And, of course, since they've been gone so many years without any incidents, uh, it's kind of like one of those things that, uh, well, people are getting bugged by the, the bag checks and we've yet to find anything ever. So, you know what? Let's cool it with the bag checks.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I guess they decided, to, like I said, this year they just cooled it too far with the peace bonding. I think if they had just had the peace bonding table up where it normally was with security actually looking, I think he would have been stopped coming in the door and been told, hey, you need to have your stuff bonded. And, of course, he wouldn't have been able to have his stuff bonded because if he'd actually gone to the table, they'd have looked at it and said, well, this is real. You <laughs> can't yeah. have this. So And, and who knows what might have happened at that point. Yeah, it's really scary to think because this guy was there, armed to the teeth, with ill intent. Um, yeah. He was caught, it was around 1230, I think, was about the time that he was caught. He had a reminder in his iPhone. He had told Siri... Hey, Siri, remind me to kill JDF at 3 Uh, p.m. So he was only a couple hours away from initiating whatever uh, plan he was going to initiate, which I I guess involved specifically targeting Jason David Frank. And he wanted to take out as many uh, so-called bad police officers as he could his definition of bad nobody knows because he has not articulated that but what he was doing was taking pictures of every police officer he saw and posting them on his facebook now that's
1: scary i i didn't know that i didn't know that part of it
2: yeah he had two targets he wanted to take out the green ranger and he wanted (laughs) to take out as many cops as he could along the way so luckily this girl in california gave him the heads up that hey something's going down and i think he's serious So Phoenix PD was made aware, and they started talking to security and said, you know what, we have been made aware of somebody that we've been keeping an eye on. And the economy was literally sitting in a chair, you know, texting or Facebook messaging or something, and they were able to subdue him and arrest him without him ever laying a hand on any of the many weapons that he had on him.
1: What happened the remaining days of the convention? After this, I'm pretty sure they stepped things up, right?
2: Yes. Yes. Security changed dramatically day two of the convention going forward. The big things that they did, first and foremost, they did institute full bag checks for everybody coming in. Mm-hmm. They also instituted magnometer wand usage for everybody coming in, so metal detector wand usage coming in the doors. So you had to go through these checkpoints. They reduced the number of actual entry points to the convention center from, I think it was six or seven they had originally. Right. They reduced that to only three and those three points had the magnometer wands as well as the bag checks. At first, they completely disallowed any props to be part of costumes whatsoever. Mm-hmm. This caused an uproar like you wouldn't believe. People are out of their minds, insane about this. Like, I understand it's for safety, but at, at some point, you you are going overboard a little bit when you're telling the uh, Doctor Who cosplayer that he can't <laughs> have the sonic screwdriver. It, it was literally that far. They had gone that oh, far. Oh, wow. No. Props of any kind. We had Dick Van Dyke appearing at his first convention ever, and it happened to be this year's Phoenix Comic Con. So oh we had a, a plethora of Mary Poppins cosplayers. Yep. You can't bring your umbrella. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so it was extreme at first. And then after some back and forth with the community, they did release a specific list of props that were allowed and a specific list of props that weren't allowed, and then said anything that's not specifically in one of these two lists, it's going to be up to security as far as uh, where they went with it. And so they started allowing things like wands for Harry Potter-type cosplays, sonic screwdrivers. One that I found interesting that I later found out what it actually meant, they they had listed specifically dishware associated with costumes. And I was like... Dishware? Dishware, (laughs) yeah. I was like... What? Well, I found out evidently it's very customary in the steampunk community to carry around a teacup and saucer with you. Oh. Oh, part, okay. I guess just part of the costume. That's a normal thing for them to have with them. I've, it's nothing I've never really noticed. But yeah, the, so they had that specifically listed. The things that were specifically disallowed were any type of weapon, be it right. sword, axe, mace, gun, laser gun. They specifically listed phasers. So you're not even like <laughs> style phasers, lightsabers. <sighs> That's a whole nother story right there. with the lights. <laughs> right. Yeah. Shields, oddly enough. And I'd be like, the one thing I want right now is a shield. <laughs> well, yet, then, no, no shields. Then I'm thinking about Captain America cosplayers. Yeah, yeah, no shields. And where it really hurt was a lot of the vendors. The vendors, oh, yeah. you've got a lot of vendors on the floor who sell costume props. Mm-hmm. Including weapon props, but the guys who sell the sword props and stuff like that, they already have a procedure in place. They're selling something that people are not allowed to bring into the convention to begin with. You know, the, you're, right. you're getting actual metal sword replicas. They're required to box up the item when you buy it, and you have to take it in the box, and you are not permitted to take it out of the box while you're in the convention center. mm mm-hmm. you- Urged, in fact, to take it to your car or your hotel as soon as possible after your purchase. And that's fine because they're prepared for that. When they changed these rules on Friday and told everybody, OK, if you sell anything like that, you have to do this. Well, there's a big company out here called, uh, well, actually, I don't know where they're based out of, but they always come out to Phoenix Comic Con called Ultrasabers. They sell lightsaber replicas, you know, mm-hmm. and these are um, really nice ones with the nice handles. And then they've got the polyurethane blades mm-hmm. that like. When you turn them on and so they look cool, essentially it's a four-foot glow stick. You know, right. that's what it is. <laughs> Nobody is confusing this with a real weapon of any kind. Well, they were told they had to follow these new rules. And they were upset about that because, A, they didn't have boxes to put their uh-huh. product in. It'd never been a rule before. And, B, a big part of their business model is people wandering around the convention with their brand-new lightsaber and other people looking and saying, Ooh, I want one of those. So it's a big selling point to have people wandering around with their brand new lightsabers showing them. And it didn't help that the convention's uh, response to that was, well, here's some black plastic trash bags. You can wrap up the lightsabers in these before you give them to your customers. They were not happy about that. Mm. They were like, wait, so you want to tell people, I mean, these these lightsabers range anywhere from 50 to $500, you know, depending on all the bells and whistles that you can get. I have one from them that I think I paid 60 for, and it's. Pretty decent, but it's not one of the actual movie replica design handles. It's just a generic handle. It's one color, no sound effects or anything like that. But you can get the really fancy ones that are actual movie prop replicas, then with the blades, and then you have the ones that have the color change in them, so you can choose what color you want that day. All this stuff, and then the sound effects, so they whoosh when you swing them, and they make the sound effect when you're fighting with them. So people can spend upwards of $500 on these things, and then they're being handed their $500 purchase in a trash bag. Yeah,
1: it doesn't send a good message, at least for... For a business like that.
2: Well, also imagine you're worried about a guy who managed to bring a shotgun into the convention center. Yeah. And now you have people wandering around with four foot long wrapped black plastic that you don't have any clue what's in. What's scarier, that or a four foot glow stick? Seriously, like, <laughs> that could be anything in that bag. You know, I'm assuming that it's a lightsaber because that's what others were. But if somebody wanted to try to hide something, that would now be an easy way to do it. So it really made no sense. They got into it with the convention director and they got booted from the convention. Really? Yeah, because according to the press release from the convention director, they refused to comply with the new directive. According to them, they did comply, but requested to be canceled out and refunded because they weren't getting the sales that they expected because of the new policies and procedures. You look at it and say, oh, it's a he said, he said type of situation. But Mm -hmm. there was photographic proof of them actually doing what they were asked to do and handing people their lightsabers in these black plastic trash bags. And one of the convention's main points on their press release was that they refused to comply. Like, well, I saw them (laughs) comply. So I know they complied. So I know at least that part of your press release is wrong. It starts to make things wishy, you know, kind of hmm. But the Ultra Saber team did not really take the high road either because then they managed to get some people back into the convention center after they had been removed and had their uh, credentials taken away for exhibitors. They managed to get badges some other way. I don't know if they just bought them or if they got them from somebody else or what, but they came back into the convention center with flyers telling their side of the story and trying to distribute them around. I had actually found one in the bathroom. Room, I was like, okay, well, this is, this is kind of petty here. (laughs) I I understand they're upset, so it goes back and forth. I'm sure you know we have their version of it, we have the conventions version of it, and I'm sure the truth lies somewhere in the middle on that one. But people were not happy with the new rules. The biggest thing that I had issue with was the implementation on Friday was poor to say the least. Mm. They. Not take into account just the sheer volume of people that were coming in. There was not any good communication about how they were running the lines. People were waiting outside in Phoenix in May (laughs) for upwards of three hours to get through the bag check line. And then they found out when they got to the front of the line, oh, you don't have a bag? You could have gone to this other much shorter line to just go through the wanding because this is specifically for bag check. And they didn't have that quite figured out. Originally, they had everybody goes to the same line. If you have a bag, it gets checked. If you don't, you don't. And then they realized, no, you know what? We can speed this up. If people don't have a bag, we can get them through faster. But they weren't communicating that to the people online. So there were people waiting in line for longer than they had to because of that. And then there was also the issue of You know, yeah, you've got these people who didn't have to wait nearly that long, but then there's people behind them with bags that would have gotten through quicker if all these other people had known they could have gone to the other line. (laughs) So Saturday, they did not have things figured out and get things communicated well until almost three o'clock in the afternoon.
1: At that point, Saturdays are always the biggest day of any convention, and to have it not figured out until close to the end of the day is pretty ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I mean, I completely understand that you, first of all, it's the convention center, not the convention itself. So Phoenix Comic Con does not hire security staff directly. Sure. They are provided by the convention center. What Comic-Con does is they tell them how many people they need and what type of people they need and that sort of thing. And I think that when the changes were implemented, obviously it was a big change. It was a big jump from practically nothing to, okay, now we're suddenly going to be super strict about it. I think they need to have something in the middle. Mm -hmm. Obviously, people work very hard on their costumes. They make these wonderful props that are completely made out of like cardboard and foam and plastic and stuff like that that is not dangerous to anyone, even if they happen to look like a gun or look like a sword or look like an axe or any of these things, but they're not actually dangerous. And in years past, there's never been a problem with having these things checked and tagged. And I've heard people complain like, oh, they had to piece on my lightsaber. Like anybody's going to think that's dangerous. Well, you know what? It, what did it take you, five seconds to walk up to the table, show them, right. look, it's a lightsaber. They put the tag on it right then and there, and you're on your way. I don't think that's as big a price to pay as having to go through all of this other stuff. As far as bag checks and such, that's a tough call because you do have this situation where the guy only had one weapon visible on him. Everything else he had was, in fact, in a bag. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, obviously there's that potential, However, I think if you have people going through metal detectors, first of all, you get the stand-up metal detectors instead of the wands because those are worthless. Get the stand-up metal detectors. Have everybody go through them. You'll have multiple ones set up instead of the one or two points they had, obviously, going forward. And just simple, quick, you run your bag through there. If the bag doesn't set it off, then you're probably fine. If the bag does set it off, then it gets checked. Right. A big deal since most people are going to be coming in there most people who have bags have like water and snacks or something in there which is totally fine <laughs> So,
1: <laughs> i've gone to plenty of conventions over the past 17 years and i think one of the big ones out here is c2e2 and i've gone every single year and they have one choke point for everyone to enter the convention center and you get in line they have a bag check where everyone's bag needs to be checked, and then you get into the queue. There's never been anything like a weapon check. Well, they do have peace bonding on site, but they've never gone so far as like a metal detector or a wand or anything. And any time I've gone there, i felt pretty safe because I'm confident in the Chicago Police Department. I'm confident in McCormick Place security. So... I know what Jason David Frank's response to this has been is that now he's on a mission to make all Comic-Cons safer. So I want to ask, in your opinion, what do you think is a base minimum that any convention should have for security?
2: Well, like I said, I think the metal detectors are fine as long as they're the, the stand-up variety that you right. walk through as opposed to the, you know when they're doing the wanding that's, first of all, slow, and second of all, it's fairly ineffective because those ones are not as good as the stand-up metal detectors. As far as entry points, Phoenix Comic Con does have a unique challenge in the way that the convention center lies. Like I said, it's mm-hmm. several different buildings that compromise the entire convention, and some of those areas are uh, open to the public as far right. as— you, know, you can get into certain places without a badge. Obviously, you have to be able to get into the registration area without a badge because you, you won't have it until you get there. But I think a little bit more needs to be done as far as making sure that everything is communicated well, not only to the convention goers, but to the convention staff itself. Mm -hmm. When I came in on Saturday, they had a line going to get in the building, and there was a a guy standing there in a security jacket with a big sign that said, end of line, to mark where the end of the line was. So everybody, oh, here we go. There's no question about where the end of the line is. That's great and everything. I already had my badge at that point, but my daughter had not got her badge yet. So I came up to him and I said, is this the line for registration? Or is this the line for if you already have a badge, What's this and he said this is a line for everything you come here first and then once you get past security then you can go do what you need to do I'm like, okay not a problem so we get into the line we're in the line for maybe three four minutes and the people in front of us turn around they're looking at us they're looking at both of us and kind of questioningly and they go you guys don't have bags I'm like "Nope." they're like yeah go up to the front you're not supposed to be in that this line is for bag checks <laughs> but that guy said okay <laughs> i was like but he said and, it should, and, and they were like really cool they're like listen if you go up to the front and you're not able to go through, come back, we'll give you your spot back in line. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not a big deal. But seriously, you don't have a bag. You don't have to wait. And sure enough, we went right up to the front and there was the no bag line right on through. So communication is key. Yes, I think increased security can definitely work. And now that we've shown exactly what the lack security can allow, I think we do need to have some increased security. I don't think it needs to be to the extreme of not allowing prop weapons. I don't think it needs to be necessary to this, the extreme. I know Frank is asking for cosplayers to not use any metal whatsoever in their costumes. I'm, I think that's a little extreme as well because I know lots of people who don't use a lot of metal, but there's going to be some metal in a lot of people's costumes, especially the more intricate ones. And yeah. I'm not going to dictate <laughs> what they can or can't use to make the costume as long as they're willing to go through a security check with it.
1: And I've never heard of someone, like, killing another person with, like, a metal shoulder pad or something like that, you know?
2: <laughs> and it's it's almost always, like, trim. It's right. not even – especially for Phoenix Comic Con. Phoenix Comic Con almost always happens around Memorial Day weekend in Phoenix where it's almost always 100 degrees or more Oof. at some point during the weekend. Nobody's walking around in full metal armor. Um, <laughs> even the people who do like the medieval reenactment, the SCA group and the other, um, the the guys who do the, uh, the actual metal sword play. Yeah. Uh, even those groups, they've only got part of their armor on at any given time. And then, you know, they might put it all on just for the fight display, but then they take it off as quick as they can. <laughs> um, the people walking around in the big intricate cosplay armor, 90% of that is foam. You know, yeah. it's all or it's EVA foam. It's something much, much lighter. (laughs) But a lot of times they do use metal clasps or trim or things like that, that it would be very hard to not use any metal at all in the costumes. And I think that's a little ridiculous. But I do agree with the idea of having a separate security checkpoint for intricate costumes. Instead of having to wait in line with everybody else who just has a bag that needs to go through the scanner or something like that, you have a dedicated place where these people go to and you have like one small group of people dealing with that i don't claim to know how to run a convention i'm not trying to right. um, to say what's completely right or completely wrong but i do feel that they went to the extreme i think it was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction they said oh, oh geez this happened we need to we need to react and we need to react hard and strong right now and i really hope that before the next convention they reevaluate that and figure out where the happy medium is mm-hmm. because Like I said, it was laughable on Thursday. There was no security. It was ridiculous. The way they had the peace bonding table, like way up out of the way, you had to know where it was. You had to specifically, it was kind of like an honor system to if you have a prop weapon, go have it peace bonded, which for a lot of people works just fine. For other people, they don't know that necessarily might be their first convention or maybe they just are used to being directed to the peace bonding table so they don't think about it until they are directed. Phoenix Comic Con definitely has their work cut out for them because of the space they use. Mm-hmm. Because Convention Center is so sprawled out. you got three floors in that north building. And one of them is actually underground and goes between the north and west building. Mm. So when you're actually in the main Convention Center floor where they have the vendor hall, you're actually underneath 3rd Street in downtown Phoenix. Oh, wow. Uh, because the yeah, you're actually <laughs> under that street there. And then you can actually go up from there. You can go from the bottom of the north building up the escalators and end up in the middle floor of the west building. And for a couple of years, they were using the south building as well. The um, south building is much, much older. It was actually the original convention center. It just it has not been updated or anything. They used it for two or three panel rooms and registration one year. And then they realized, nah this is dumb. Well, Let's just use the third floor of the, <laughs> of the north building. Because for a long time, they weren't using all three floors mm-hmm. of the north building. And now it's gotten so big in the past couple of years that they have to use so much more space. And that does present problems for access control. Uh, Absolutely. Phoenix
1: Comic Con, at least the convention center that they're at, sounds very similar to McCormick Place and what C2E2 does because... McCormick Place in Chicago is also spread out with multiple buildings on a campus with multiple levels and different public spaces and entrances. So, I think they both share very similar problems. My thing is, if Convention security is going to beef up more, and now that this incident has almost shed a light on it, because I don't recall any other convention having an incident as close to what this could have been.
2: Yeah, it's always in the back of your mind, especially whenever there's any type of threat of terror attack, you think, well, this is a large group of people. Mm-hmm. Together. So it's automatically a potential target for some sort of attack because they want to get a tight concentration of people so they can do the most damage.
1: Exactly.
2: In this case, it was uh, somebody almost from within the community, which. That you don't see happen very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nerd and geek community out there, while we have our passions, for sure, we don't tend to be a violent bunch. <laughs> uh, we like to roleplay the violence, certainly, you know, <laughs> video games and, and even the tabletop RPGs and things like that. Yes, absolutely. But actual real violence doesn't tend to be in our wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So it's something that we, we necessarily think of on a regular basis. But, yeah, this incident definitely shed some light on the fact that it could happen. There, there's nutters out there in every walk of life. Of course. And you never know when one of them is going to have that big of a problem. And I seriously hope that uh, Gladys was able to be stopped Without harming anyone or being harmed himself, maybe they'll be able to get him some help. Maybe this is something he'll actually come back from as a better person. You never know. I always give people the benefit of the doubt of the, of the ability to heal. Mm-hmm. There are a ton of different issues that people can have out there. There's uh, Our brains are just so dang complicated and so much can go so wrong with them. Mm-hmm. But I do believe there is room for healing as well. And I I hope that he's able to get the help that he needs and that everybody ends up better for this in the long run.
1: Yeah, with what everything's going on in the world right now, I think this was almost a push to make at least any comic book conventions out there just a bit safer. And if that is the good that can come from this and people can be safer or or there's at least more awareness of security for these conventions, I do think that is a, a very good
2: thing. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I think the biggest thing – I think you can implement a a very large number of fairly strict security regulations and still – allow people to be creative with their costumes still Mm -hmm. allow to have a good time the biggest thing is going to be communication in the implementation I think that was where this year's Phoenix Comic Con really struggled and I think a lot of that was because it was so sudden (laughs) this wasn't something that they had months to prepare for this was something they had hours to prepare for so I I get it but I think this definitely is a wake-up call for any conventions that don't really have any type of security whatsoever there are plenty of conventions out there that are pretty uh, fast and loose you barely need a badge to get in and you know <laughs> so it's one of those things that it could definitely see an increase but I hope they don't go too far with it to make sure. it not fun. Yeah, because that's one thing that I absolutely love about all the conventions I've been to is just the amount of fun that everybody's having. You see these people in their amazing costumes that, you know, they spent all year building Mm -hmm. just to come here and show it off to 50,000 strangers. And I love it. I love seeing stuff that I I don't even know what it's from. (laughs) I I look at a costume and I'm like, that is amazing. I've gone up to several cosplayers that are wearing something just really cool looking, but I have no clue what it is and told them, like, your costume is amazing. Can you tell me about what it's from? Because it may be something I might be interested in that I don't know about yet. And if there's one thing that cosplayers love more than showing off their costumes... <laughs> it's talking it's sharing, about them. <laughs> yeah, It's sharing the love of whatever uh, inspired the costume in the first place. So, yeah, I hope that that doesn't get stifled at all. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's definitely room for improvement. And we've already seen some cons have already announced uh, some step-ups in their security. Uh, some other cons have already gone on record saying... We think we're good the way we are. Mm -hmm. Here's all the things we already do, and we think that that's sufficient, so we're sticking with it. Bottom line is if you don't feel that the security at the convention is up to your standard, then I would recommend you don't go. If you think that it's too strict, then don't go. You know, (laughs) tell them with your wallet one way or the other. You know, if you... Mm think that they're not keeping you safe enough, then let them know and don't go to the show. If you think that they're being too strict and causing it to to not be fun, then again, tell them about it and don't go.
1: And I think that's a big thing also for any convention goer is be aware of your surroundings. And if you see something that might be potentially dangerous, let someone know because it's the type of people that were able to do that that helped prevent a potential major catastrophe at Phoenix Comic Con.
2: Exactly. It's that saying going around if you see something, say something. Absolutely. And this was a simple matter of people knew the peace bonding procedure and they saw him. They saw that he had a realistic looking gun that didn't have the orange. Actually, I don't know if they could see the tip or not. I think he had it in a holster. So they they couldn't tell whether or not he had the orange tip or not. Right. But they also did not see the peace bonding, which when they peace bond guns specifically, they always put the tag around the trigger. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very obvious and can be seen even when it's in a holster. Some cosplayers complain about that even because it ruins pictures when I take you know what? (laughs) <laughs> there, there are some <laughs> things you need to just chill about because you're in a space with a lot of other people yeah. and they want... It. That's not real. And I don't think that's too much to ask. Telling them they can't have it at all, mm-hmm. that is going to the other extreme. But the peace bonding procedures, when implemented properly, I think do work.
1: Oh, I've been to several anime conventions, major Comic-Con conventions, where these peace bonding procedures have been in place. And it's pretty visible. It's pretty clear. And as a cosplayer, they can get over it because I'd rather have a safe convention than something you could easily Photoshop out of a picture. You know what I mean?
2: And plus the the fact that the majority of cosplay photographers that you would hire for a, a good shoot, they're going to do that shoot off of the convention center premises because right. they're not going You're not, not going to get a professional shoot done in the midst of fifty or seventy thousand other people. Exactly. They're going to take you off-site. And then you can have your unbonded prop because you're you're off-site. That's fine. You can do what you want then. And that's great. And I see tons of these. There's a couple of really good cosplay photographers that work with our team at Comicare that just do amazing stuff. And all of their shoots are off-site sometimes they're very oh, close oh, oh yeah always yeah. offsite.
1: just kind of off topic but related to that i was fortunate enough to help comic this year with their new booth design that ironically uh, debuted at phoenix comic-con and the pictures that i was able to work with with the photographers that you guys use were spectacular all of these shots are incredible
2: yeah, we we were with a couple of really talented guys that do the majority of our, our photos. And uh, yeah, they know what they're doing. They know how to get the most out of the cosplayers. And also the, the cosplayers we work with are talented guys there. They work with people, you know, um, not all of them make their own costumes, but mm-hmm. they all get them from sources that are top notch. Oh, and they're all sure. custom made for them. It's really phenomenal. And you say you were fortunate to get to help. You know, we were fortunate to have you help because the banners and table wrap that you designed for us looked amazing, especially in person when we had people coming up and and looking at the table, looking at the banners that were up there with them. It was really a great way to get our message across to people who were just either didn't want to stop and talk or Mm. came by at a time when everybody was already talking to somebody else. We had something in printing, but visually eye-catching, not just a block of words but something that was there that people could read and get a gist of what it is that we do without uh, necessarily having to talk to somebody just in case you know some people yeah. don't want to stop and talk and other other times everybody's already talking to somebody <laughs> so instead of waiting around or just like eh well whatever I'll check it out later hey, here's something I can glance at.
1: Well, I'm really glad it all uh, worked out and also glad that you were safe at this convention and everyone else at the convention as well. Eric, I want to thank you again for coming on Ranger Command Power Hour. Where can people find you online? Plug away anything you want. Go for it.
2: Uh, well, obviously, I'm the director of the 4Eyed Radio Network, so I highly recommend checking out all of our shows on the network. You can find us at 4 You can find me specifically online. I'm on Twitter at Eric J. Dewey. My personal project right now is the Crichton cast, uh, where myself and my co-host Steve Maston talk about all things Michael Crichton. Specifically, we're going through the, the books that have been translated into movies and talking about the novels and the movie or TV adaptations and the differences therein. It's been really fun. And and we hope that uh, people are enjoying that, so you can check that out at CrichtonCast.com.
1: Excellent. Again, thank you so much for coming on the show, Eric. And we'll have to have you on the show again to actually talk about Power Rangers instead of <laughs> <laughs> instead of conventions. But did you see the new movie? Were you able to catch it in theaters?
2: I have not, unfortunately. Yeah, my schedule got uh, way packed, especially with the trip and everything. So, like you said, we, I was out at Phoenix Comic Con, but I actually live in uh, Adjective Toledo, Ohio. So. Uh, <laughs> It was quite the trip to go back to my home state of Arizona for that, and the planning of that also took quite a bit of time. So, unfortunately, I did miss that one in theaters, but I do plan on checking it out on DVD or Blu-ray here. Which is
1: uh, coming out on June 27th.
2: Nice. So, this is a little
1: plug for the movie as well. (laughs) Eric, thank you so much for being on Ranger Command Power Hour. Thank you for having me. Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. You can find us on Twitter at rangercommandph, on Instagram and Facebook at rangercommandpowerhour, all one word. We look forward to your questions at ask.fm slash rangercommandph, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphing Grid at www.RangerCommand.com Follow us on Twitter at RangerCommandPH and like us on Facebook.com slash Ranger Command Power Hour. This is Trucky B47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and you are listening to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Ranger Command is now on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash Ranger Command ph to learn more. Thanks.
2: Hey everybody, Eric here to tell you about a special promotion my charity Comicare is running. We are up for a challenge and we need your support. At Comicare we spend all year traveling to hospitals and collecting smiles from children and their families and leave comic books behind to keep the smiles going. Well now we want to see your smiles and we want to post them on our pages too. This July 20th through 23rd we will bring Arizona Tony Stark to the San Diego International Comic Con and take on one of our biggest challenges yet. We will have four days to collect as many pictures as we can of smiling supporters with Tony. How many can we collect? A hundred? Three hundred? Five hundred? We'll run for the one thousand mark, but you never know. Will you pledge a couple of pennies for each photo we collect? Just think, if you pledge just two cents per picture and we collect a hundred photos, your donation will be two dollars. If we collect a thousand, twenty dollars. Either way, a small price to pay to be part of our continuing mission. We appreciate all your support in the past, and we know you will enjoy being a part of this adventure. So please visit comicare.org slash one thousand smiles. That's c o m i c a r e dot org slash one zero 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 smiles. Visit our page, click that pledge button, and throw us a couple of cents per smile. You're free to put a cap on your donation so it doesn't get out of hand just in case Tony gets crazy and gets 10,000 smiles. You don't have to worry about getting nuts. Just visit our page at comicare.org 1,000 smiles and make your pledge today.